Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events from pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. The date of this recording is Sunday, July the 4th, and firecrackers have already begun to go off to celebrate this American holiday. So in celebratory fashion, we will begin with the sports side of things, where the NBA has concluded its Eastern and Western Conference matchups, with on the Western side, the earlier completion took place with the Clippers and Phoenix Suns, as Chris Paul put together an absolutely masterful performance with 42 points to lead his Phoenix Suns to win in six games against the Los Angeles Clippers. After having being up 3-1 to and expecting to finish the series off at home, the Phoenix Suns fumbled away Game 5 amidst an injury to Zubach, clearing the way for Marcus Morris to start and ultimately score 20-plus points as Tyron Liu employed a small ball lineup. This was, of course, accompanied by Paul George going off for the most points he's ever scored in his long playoff career, totaling up 40-plus points with much-needed baskets, including crossing over Chris Paul multiple times and hitting timely shot after timely shot leading his team to potentially forcing the Game 7. But as I mentioned before, it wasn't enough. Because aside from Chris Paul putting up a historic performance, the Phoenix Suns decided to get DeAndre Ayton more involved. Jay Crowder started knocking down his three-point shots in Game 6. And the Clippers were missing shot after shot after shot as Paul George just could not get it going. Patrick Beverly was clearly frustrated. And it seemed like the team was exhausted from having to play so many games prior to the Phoenix Suns matchup. Many basketball fans did opt to believe that with Kawhi Leonard, this Clippers team might have been able to force a Game 7. It may not have even gone that far, but you have to play the hand that you were dealt. And in this legacy game for Chris Paul as he proceeds to hopefully add an NBA championship to his prestigious career, we have to give a round of applause to the Los Angeles Clippers as Reggie Jackson played his way into a new contract likely after potentially being forced out of the league, he showed that he can score with the best of them, consistently putting up 20-plus points and being one of the best three-point shooters throughout this entire playoffs this year. Paul George was able to dispel his playoff P name, as many referred to him as Pandemic P, Playoff P, Way Off George, All of that has disappeared as Paul George proved that he could show up on the best of stages as he almost carried a team riddled with injuries to the NBA Finals. He had several significant performances on the way, but now the focus has shifted to the Phoenix Suns, who haven't been to the NBA Finals since Charles Barkley was leading that team against Michael Jordan and haven't been to the playoffs in 10 years since they had Steve Nash leading their team. So congratulations to the Phoenix Suns, who in their first playoff appearance in 10 years, they have advanced to the NBA Finals. On the other side of the bracket, in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks finished off the Atlanta Hawks. 
Both teams also riddled by some injuries. The Milwaukee Bucks had Giannis Antetokounmpo suffer a major knee injury, one that is still up in the air on whether or not he will be able to play in the NBA Finals. Likewise, Trey Young accidentally stepped on a referee and suffered an ankle and foot injury that would keep him out for two games. In the first game Trey Young missed, the Atlanta Hawks easily handled the Milwaukee Bucks. Though Giannis got injured in the middle of that game, the Hawks seemed to be in control the entire time, hitting shot after shot after shot, showing the same three-point shooting ability that has led them to lead the unexpected run in the NBA playoffs. Their offensive efficiency tricked the NBA world into thinking they may have been able to win the series with Giannis Antetokounmpo being out. But in Game 5, a pivotal game, a game where one team could go up by three and just have one more game to advance to the NBA Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks washed the Atlanta Hawks. Led by a vintage 30-point performance by Brook Lopez, and owed back to when he was the leading scorer for the Brooklyn Nets. He handled their defensive bigs like they were nothing. Chris Middleton was shooting efficiently, and Drew Holiday led the team both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And their great performance that would put them up 3-2 spilled over into Game 6, where they finished the job as Chris Middleton scored 23 points in a quarter, where Brooke Lopez continued to be efficient in the paint, where the Bucks were hustling, rebounding well. P.J. Tucker, who had been pretty off for a shot throughout the series, was knocking it down when they needed it. Trey Young tried his best. He tried to play injured, but he couldn't get the lift on his shot to be knocking down the three at the same rate that led the team previously. And even though Cam Reddish came seemingly out of nowhere trying to put the team on his back, playing well both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, the Milwaukee Bucks were the ones who came out on top. And now we have a matchup between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks who haven't been to the finals since 1974. Officially, I will be picking the Phoenix Suns to come away with the championship, largely because I do not believe that Giannis Antetokounmpo will be healthy for any part of this series. Even if he plays, I believe we'll be seeing a somewhat hobbled Giannis Antetokounmpo. Definitely a Giannis that won't be able to dominate in the paint the way we've seen him do several times throughout this playoff run. The way that Trey Young was able to punish the drop coverage that the Bucks were running, I anticipate that Chris Paul will emulate what they did. And Chris Paul, who's been a mid-range maestro, someone who has been feared in that area of the paint throughout his whole career, I believe that he'll continue to put pressure on the defense. And if they're forced to throw double teams at him, he's the worst person to do that against because he will find the open shot. And not only do I believe that he will do that on the offensive side of the ball, I believe that the Phoenix Suns have much more difficult to deal with defensive wings with Mikel Bridges and Jay Crowder. People who will surely cause trouble for Chris Middleton, who has proven to be an inconsistent offensive threat, and for Giannis if he decides to play, who has oftentimes been confused as to whether or not he wants to dominate the paint 
or take three-pointers and mid-ranges that teams will likely want to live with on the defensive side of the ball. I don't believe that this is a series that will be a sweep or even end in five games. If I was a betting man, I would opt for six or seven games as both teams are very well equipped, very well coached, and very well hungry to win an NBA championship. So it remains to be seen what will happen in the NBA Finals that begin this week. And I'll report back on what I see schematically within the first couple of games. But while everything was happening in the NBA world as teams are preparing to fight for the NBA title, in the college world there was a very significant agreement that came about that will change the entire perspective on being a college athlete. And that is the NCAA amending their rules and deciding that players can now get paid for their likeness. This means that players that formerly were punished, suspended, kicked out for taking money for being great at what they do, that is all gone now. Players can start YouTube channels if they want. They can get paid for appearing at places. They can sign brand deals. It's a completely new perspective. This is a battle that was being fought for for a very long time. As college athletes were struggling to find ways to make money prior to getting into the leagues. And in addition to that, many of these players who don't ultimately make it to the top leagues never get paid for what they do. The players that might be great in college but not necessarily translate over to the majors deserve to get some sort of profit. A player who might be a legend for hitting a crazy shot, a player who might just be a fan favorite off the bench, They deserve to get some sort of compensation for what they do. So I congratulate the college athletes on finally getting that path without being punished for simply desiring to profit off of their hard work, hard work that likely extends back to when they were small children. When we see soccer superstar Messi coming off of a $674 million deal expiring after four years, We know that there's plenty of money to go to these athletes and they should be finding every way possible to profit off of the hard work that they put in day in and day out to be the best at what they do. Luckily, in the music world, we have inched closer and closer to artists getting what they deserve. And that begins with artists getting the right recognition. As Tyler, the creator, coming off of Call Me If You Get Lost, his new album, has totaled approximately 170,000 units sold, estimated by both physical and digital streaming copies being added together. Tyler, the Creator, accomplished something very significant, as with a gritty, very hip-hop album at times, with DJ Drama narrating on it, someone who is known for the underground mixtape world, He has outsold Justin Bieber, Doja Cat, all of these significant pop culture artists. Artists who are known for making largely pop music were outsold by a gritty rap album. Tyler, the creator, is proving that he is one of the premier artists of his generation. Great art will find a way to succeed. And Tyler is just the most recent demonstration of that fact of the world. So congratulations for Tyler having a very successful first week of streaming. 
and I wish him all the best as this has surely proven itself to be one of, if not the best album to come out this year. This week was nothing compared to the amount of music that dropped last week, as the only semi-major project to be released is G Herbo releasing his new album 25, which I don't believe will get a ton of mainstream attention, but from what I've seen so far is averaging about 100,000 streams per song, which is relatively successful for G Herbo. The most significant release this week, however, is without a doubt Drake and Brant Fayez's new song, Wasted Time. With a ode to Pharrell on what might be a Neptune's beat, Brant Fayez and Drake delivered masterful performances, both with their singing and lyrical ability, as I believe this will be a standout track not just for this week, but for the year. The more I listen, the more I enjoy the song. And of the releases this week, this is by far the one I would recommend if you're a fan of R&B. But Tyler will continue to dominate the week as there's no major release that can compete with what he's done. And he is now performing in secret places as I saw that Amazon sponsored a performance for him. So the story of the music world is still Tyler the Creator's album. We can proceed to the last section, the film section. As Marvel's new show Loki completely changed the narrative that I described last week. I had previously mentioned that their last episode, episode 3, was somewhat lackluster as it was context heavy and largely driven towards providing a setup for what seemed to be a climactic event. Spoiler alert here, but at the end of episode 3, Loki and the lady version of him not being able to make it to escape an apocalypse. So it opened this episode assuming that they might be destroyed by the apocalypse. But the timekeepers send their people after them, and they're able to get them right before the apocalypse happens. And what proceeded was an interrogation of Loki and the lady version of him, and ultimately the discovery. Everyone working for the TVA was robbed from their lives and brainwashed to work there. And as a couple of the workers started to figure it out, they had to be eliminated, pruned. And Loki and Lady Loki were brought to be destroyed in front of the timekeepers. But as they escaped, they find out the real climax of the entire show so far, that the timekeepers are fake. They tried to take them out, and when they go to attack the timekeepers, Their head is ripped off. It turns out that they're actually animatronics. So there's someone who's really behind all of this, and we do not know who it is. But just as it seemed like the episode would be completely done, Loki is snuck up on and pruned himself. And Lady Loki is out for answers. As she would try to get it out of the woman who seems to be at the head of everything to judge herself trying to hide the real truth from the TVA. The episode ends off with Loki actually waking up after being pruned to be welcomed by four different versions of him, likely from different multiverses. So similar to WandaVision, fans have been left in complete disarray wondering 
What is the TVA? Who is behind it? Why is it there? Is it actually trying to fix the timeline? Where is Loki? How will he escape? There's so many questions on people's minds. We will have to wait until this week, Wednesday, to find out the truth. But with that being said, this is the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking out the time. Please let me know any way that I can make this a better experience for you. And I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.